0: Yes, σε of you. Yes, sir. Yes, Στο Yes, sir. Yes, sir. o sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. ο sir. Ρε παιδιά, ο Άλεξ. Έλα να σας πω κάτι. Αυτό το επεισόδιο θα είναι φωτιά. Φλόγα, λέει. Μεγάλη φλόγα. (laughs) Ωραία. Ωραία, παλικάρι μου. Και να σας πω. Φέρνει. Το φόβερο κάθε εβδομάδα
1: είναι! yield's not here, man!
0: Πού πήγε? Χάθηκε ο not Α, τι να σου πω! μάπια!
1: Όχι!
0: Δεν ξέρω πολλοί. Γιίλντ! Είσαι εκεί! σου πω, πεινάω όμως. Πεινάς, κι εγώ. Πεινάω πάρα
1: πολύ. μπορώ να κάνω με
0: πίτσα. Πίτσα. Τι Θέλω μια παστίτσιο. Παστίτσιο. Ολόκληρη, Μην ξεχάσεις και τη μουσακά. Ade. Oh, que with a plaque count of 231 In
1: although
2: two that is not it, although that is not entirely accurate, and I'll explain why after you guys do your trophies. Alex? Level 31, total trophy count of 6,924, with a platinum count of
3: 102 in 101 games. Woo! Ricky, are you impressed? I are not you cool. not impressed?
2: You're, you're 129 platinums behind me, sir.
3: I was talking about the fact that I actually looked up and read my own trophies, you doofus.
2: Oh, is that how you were going to blow my mind? Yeah, you
3: goon.
1: <laughs> he called you a figured... goon.
2: <laughs> Yield your trophy, sir.
1: Ah, well, they're, they're. I got a couple of real ones. Most of them were kind of imaginary platinums, golds, silvers and bronzes.
2: I really hate you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, currently holding at a level 28 with a trophy count of 5960 and a platinum count of 93.
2: In 93 games. All right. And the reason my count is not entirely accurate is because. Oh. Uh, Read Sid's trophies. I actually just closed the agenda. So
1: Sid is a level 40 with a trophy count of 9,491 and a platinum count of 170. Continue.
2: Has he moved lately?
1: Yes, he has. I, he up he moved uh, his trophy count went up. I updated this before we recorded.
2: All right, all right. So the reason I my count is not entirely accurate is because I'm playing on my work PlayStation 4. And <laughs> how ludicrous because... is that statement? I'm playing on
3: my work PlayStation 4 as if everywhere you go, there's a little compartment that you open and a PlayStation just pops out. You know that would not shock me with him. He
1: walks out. And, Wait, he, David, he walks out in his car. Out pops a four.
2: Actually, I do have a work uh, a car PS4 too.
1: See what did I tell you?
2: Uh, actually, I'm gonna try to see if I can send you guys a picture because uh, you guys would be impressed with this.
1: He plugs it into <clears> his <throat> his his dash his dash TV. Plugs it in there and plays there.
2: He's stealing the taxpayers' energy there by playing at work. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to find the picture. It's in my phone. Hold on. Uh, uh where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, I'm going to have to find it and send it to you guys another time. But I literally have, uh, the, 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 the games case in my locker at work that I just opened up my locker and it's all set up.
1: Impressive.
2: Uh, but anyway. Uh, Anybody that uh, has multiple PS4s knows that only one console can be listed as your primary. And if it's your primary, it doesn't necessarily have to connect to the internet to play your games. But because my PlayStation at work is not my primary, uh, I could not play games at work without the internet. So what I did was I activated that as my primary and then went on the website and deactivated all of my PlayStation's so I can turn my one back on at work, or at home, and the one at work still thinks it's the primary as long as I don't connect it to the internet. So I have trophies on that system. I just can't sync them because once I sync them, it's going to recognize it's not the primary anymore and I'm not going to be able to play games at work anymore. You know
3: the reason that Sony once said that you'll go buy, you'll go get a second job to buy a PlayStation 3? Because people like you buying all these damn consoles to have in your car, your lab coat... Your boots, your running shoes, to have in your microwave. Got a, a PlayStation for everything.
2: I, right now, I have a PlayStation in my studio, in my living room, in my car, at work, and in Sweet Mama D's room. You have
3: you have three PlayStation 4s in your house.
2: Yes.
1: Why? <laughs> One for the studio, no, one for the living room, okay, and the one studio, for how far room. is the
3: studio from the living room? It's got to be what? Uh, like 10 feet? Uh, 12. <laughs> you have two PlayStation 4s within 12 feet of each other, and then another one in Sweet Mama D's room.
2: Well the, all right, well, the one in Sweet Mama D's room is my original OG PS4. That's not a pro. I got a pro for the living room, and then... When I started streaming on Twitch and whatnot, I needed a pro for the studio so I could play games on there. You, also, it helps benefit because when I'm streaming, uh, the goddess can play games in the living room. But you didn't
3: just think that you could move the PlayStation 4 from one place to another, the 12
2: feet. Oh no! What? That's too much of a ha- that's too much of a hassle with all the wires and everything integrated into my desk and whatnot. That that. It sounds yeah, that's like a- you're Alex, you're begging Alex, that's for a house talk. fire. Hold on, I'm gonna send you guys a picture of my studio. That I'm I gonna have. throw up when I see this picture. Gonna... <laughs> Probably. That's my studio. Man,
1: you got stuff everywhere.
2: <laughs> and you can see the the God of War PS4 on the left side, right by my boom mic. It would just—it would be too much of a hassle to keep moving that in and out.
3: God, I can never live with you, Tricky. Look at all that shit, all those wires.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's—I gotta—I gotta rewire the whole thing.
3: No, you need to spring clean that shit. You need to clean this shit up.
2: Was well, <laughs> it like our housekeeping? Yeah. Right, you heard him. Yo. Let's start housekeeping.
1: Hey, there's your right. fancy computer system.
2: Yeah. All right, so uh, now that I did that, I have to go back and find the agenda in my uh, phone. Give me one second. Uh, all right, so let's get into what we're playing. Yield, what have you been playing, sir? So
1: uh, i been playing, as always, some World of Warship Legends. Uh, I played some Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. I fired up some Wreckfest today, got into a lobby where I was winning which is awesome because that's my only online trophy that I need is win twenty online races. Yield, so I saw that, that you rated that game it. as
3: five out of five today. Do what? Do what now? That you rated uh, Wreckfest as five out of five? You gave, you gave it a perfect score on the PlayStation Network.
1: Yes, I I, I love it. And and then I went back uh, Saturday and I fired up some King's Quest. It it had been so long. Since I, have had, I had played it, all the episodes are out, have been out, and so I restarted playing Chapter 1 of King's Quest.
3: You know how tricky feels about Japanese graphic novels? That's how Yield feels about car combat games and racing games. Oh yeah. Gives him that warm, fuzzy feeling.
2: Well, no, the way I feel about Japanese visual novels is they're uh, quick platinums under an hour. He doesn't feel that way about breakfast.
3: Uh Something's quick about it. Your destruction.
2: All right, you playing anything else, Yield?
1: I want to say yes, but I don't think yeah, I have. Can't
2: remember, I keep losing connection. Yeah, All right, I Alex,
3: I have been playing more Crash Team Racing because I don't know if anybody has heard, but the final Grand Prix for Crash Team Racing will be coming out next month, or I guess this month in about uh, a week or so. So they're finally killing that off. But you know, they you know they talked about how they're still going to be doing additional content drops in the in the pit stop. So there's going to be new characters. New um, skins, legendary re- uh, skin recolors. Uh, they're still gonna have daily, weekly, and monthly challenges. So they're still gonna be adding content to the game. Content to the game. It's just starting not gonna be in the Grand Prix style with like you know a new track and everything. But uh, it's sad to hear. But at the same time, they've supported the game for eight months, and at this point, I'm kind of like, all right, I really kind of want to stop playing so much Crash Team Racing so I can do other things, especially with you know Last of Us Two on the horizon. So. Um yeah, uh, it's a bittersweet thing, but it also, I think it's a good thing, because, you know, the game, like, Beanox made it their own game instead of a remake of a Naughty Dog game, but, uh, it's good that they're going to continually support it with, you know, new things like characters and skins, but, uh, you know, there's only so much Crash Team Racing I can play before my, my head explodes, so, um, yeah, just been, you know, collecting more coins to prep for the next Grand Prix so I can buy all the stuff up front, and, uh, yeah, that's about it. Oh, and I, uh, I did play some Pokemon Go for Valentine's weekend. Tricky, did you all do that? Did you all do any raid day? We did. Oh, no, of course not. I had to work. Oh, no, of course you did. Convenient excuse. I, 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 I have some. What
1: I've been playing DLC. I did remember something else I've been playing.
2: All right, you'll go ahead.
1: I uh, fired up Red Dead Redemption Two and was messing around with it a little bit, but that was on Sunday when my flu hit, so I really didn't get to play that much. But Red, I did Red Dead fire Redemption Two it. is like
3: a fling for yield; it's like a one-night stand. He'll come back to it like it one night, and then like it's like a booty call every now and again. Hey,
1: hey baby, how you been doing? <coughs> All
2: right, and what have I been playing? Um, I, I don't just know. Crap. What have you been playing? It... You've been playing crap. I I. No, I actually I've been playing decent games. I've been playing Division Two a lot. They just released the uh, episode three of the main game. Along, uh, they announced uh, their their first ever expansion of the system they're doing or of the game they're doing. So uh, that comes out March third. We'll talk about that next week uh, for all the Division people out there. Uh, I've been playing. I I went back because of the backlog beat down. And I've actually been playing Batman Arkham Knight again. I started from the beginning, and I'm going through the story again. Uh, I just got my platinum in Warlock's Tower. And playing a couple games that I don't want to reveal yet because of the backlog beatdown. I want to just come in strong because right now I'm sitting at two points with the backlog beatdown. And I'm currently, uh, by my calculations, at least at a plus 16 at this point. So I'm gonna drop all those down because I've been getting a lot of shit. I, I don't know if you guys noticed. Uh, Levi Thomas has been giving us a lot of, sh- or at least giving me a lot of shit in the the Facebook groups. Have you guys seen that?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, Levi has been bit, contributing yeah. very positively to the uh, to the the, uh, the Trophy Horse community. He's been very active lately, which we definitely appreciate. Been giving us some good feedback on the show, and uh, you know, he will he will give you shit, but he's also like, hey man, love the show. Just uh, can't wait to hear the next episode. So. Well, uh, it's all in good nature, all in good fun, and, uh, you know, we, we appreciate how active Levi has been recently.
2: Yeah, and a uh, special shout-out to Levi. I, mean, I He is a new Patreon. He uh, decided to support us on our Patreon, so thank you, Levi, for that. Uh, and, yeah, that's all I've really been playing. So, let's get into our topics. Uh, again, listeners, I'm doing this off my phone, so there's going to be a little delay getting into the topics like we normally do. Uh, and I want to thank you. Uh, special shout out to Yield for putting this agenda together because I was a bonehead and totally forgot.
3: Did happen. Uh, this
2: this article is coming from Real Octu Gamer and it's called A Rumor: Disney Refused Sora for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Uh, this article is coming from Jonathan Bell Bell Bellsky. I was look at that. Alex, tell me that if I said that right. Uh, I'm going to go on with the story. Uh, the article reads, Sora from Kingdom Hearts is a character many fans want in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, but it seems that it will not happen because of the re- reluctance of Nintendo. On a recent episode of the Kind of Funny Gamecast, Imran Khan claimed that Nintendo, quote, absolutely approached Disney about it once, end quote, and noted that Disney is the one blocking anything from happening, saying it is Disney Japan preventing Sora's inclusion. While Khan's comments can't be confirmed at this time, it doesn't make a certain amount of sense if it's true. Sora likely won't be one of the fighters we'll be seeing in Fighter Pass 2 for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate.
3: Yeah, um, and just to comment on the story because I, you know, being a Super Smash Brothers fan, like I played a lot of the game and I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on people saying this is who I want in Super Smash Brothers, and all the pro players saying this is who realistically can get in. Everyone knew Sora was going to be a hard get. Despite how many people wanted Sora, because, you know, they put out all these polls, like, who do you want the most? And there was always a different list with, you know, some overlap for the US, for Europe, and then for Asia. Um, So, Sora was one of the big gets, I think, that people wanted in the game, and everyone always said, but the big problem is, he's owned by Disney. So, no one knew if Disney was going to play nice and let Super Smash Bros. use him, uh, and... I, I mean, everyone knew that was is probably not going to happen because of Disney. So this is not, is is not surprising. But it's kind of nice to finally know that yes, Nintendo is listening to fans and they approached them, but um, did not. Uh, it, it appears that Disney is not going along with it as a lot of people had you know envisioned. And I don't really know why because this would be. I mean, Disney. Yes, they make a ton of money, but having Sora in Smash Brothers like a family fighting game. Would definitely bring more uh, eyes to Kingdom Hearts. I mean, Kingdom Hearts has a huge fan base, but wouldn't you want to shine even more light on that?
2: Well, you say that Disney owns Sora, but wouldn't Square Enix technically own Sora? I mean, I know Kingdom Hearts is a cl- collaboration between Square Enix and Disney, but Disney more has like Mickey, Goofy, all them, all those like outright Disney characters. Sora was a character that was created by Square Enix, so wouldn't Square Enix technically own them?
3: Uh, from everything that I've heard from, you know, anybody from the games industry, that Disney was the one that ultimately could say whether or not Sora was in Super Smash Bros., I think they own Sora. I mean, if you're Disney, and, and, you know, given, like, the way that this story is playing out, if you're Disney and you're saying, hey, we're allowing you to license our characters in this game, but we own this property. Or we own all the characters in this game now.
2: Okay. I mean, I, that's. Uh, I mean, you, like, you like
3: I said, anything I've ever heard is that Sora is part of Disney, and it's not actually Square Enix's character. It's actually Disney has the final say in w- how that character is used.
2: I mean, that's the way the article is leading us to believe. But I, I always thought Sora was more of a Square well, Enix property. Well, when you look at that, like, that game franchise.
3: How many characters are, like, I would say, what, 95% if not all? I, I, okay, I, I don't, I've never played the game, so, like, maybe I would say that, you know, if Sora is not the only non-Disney traditional character in the game series, at least 95% of that game is based in Disney lore. So you would think that Disney would say, at least I think they would say in their contract negotiations, given how, like, protective they are of their property, hey, you guys can use this to make a game but part of what you are signing says that anything you create is then owned by Disney. Because, I mean, think about like Heavenly Sword as an example. You know, Ninja Theory made Heavenly Sword, but Sony owns all those characters.
2: See, it, with Kingdom Hearts, yes, there are a lot of Disney characters, but there's also a lot of Final Fantasy characters. And every world you go to is some kind of a Disney property. I, don't, I just thought, I always thought like Sora, Titus, and, uh, not Titus, um, Kyrie, uh, I always thought they were just you know, basically owned by Square Enix because they're non-Disney characters that were created for the game. I don't know. Yield, do you have anything you want to say about this? Well, I was kind of thinking uh, along what you were saying,
1: along the lines of you would think Square Enix were own Sora, but then like Alex said, everything that is out there that Disney owns it. So I would kind of go with the, it's probably a property that that they allowed Square Enix to create, and either Disney was the one that spearheaded Sora, or or it was one of those that, okay, you're using all of our characters. Any main character that you come up with, we own. So for Square Outside Enix... Outside of the
2: Final Fantasy characters, obviously.
1: Yeah, so that, that's probably where it fell into, was if they wanted to do the game, they had to give up. If, if it was Square Enix's character... It was one of those, well, if we want our character to be in their game, they own the game. Or it was Disney the one that says, that's the main character we want. It, you know, That would be a question for the devs, but I believe...
3: I mean, anything I, I'm that I've, I'm currently seeing, I'm not finding any like really respectable things outside of Reddit and Twitter, but it seems that either Disney owns store outright or it's a 50-50 split between Disney and Square Enix and nothing can happen unless both sides agree. So either way—
2: I mean, that, that the 50-50 split sounds more likely.
3: So either way—I me, mean, I'll dig more into this as the show goes on. But either way, uh, it seems that nothing could happen unless Disney says yay or nay on it.
2: All right, so let's move on to our next topic. Uh, we're saying goodbye to a legend for now. Rockstar Games co-founder Dan Hauser is leaving the company. Uh, Dan Hauser, who everybody knows, is the co-founder of Rockstar Games and the head writer on games like Bully, Red Dead Redemption, and Grand Theft Auto, is leaving Rockstar and Take-Two ga- take Games in March. Uh, a, Rockstar spokes- gay- a Rockstar Games spokesperson said, has added that the comment regarding the news of Dan Hauser's departure, the company didn't address Hauser's departure directly, be reiterated that Sam Hauser, Dan's brother, and co-founder of Rockstar Games, is still at the company. In a statement to IGN, a Rockstar Games spokesperson said, quote, Sam Hauser's role with Rockstar Games, which he founded in 1998, remains unchanged. Sam and the team remain focused on current and future products. Uh, End quote. According to Take-Two Interactive, the parent company of Rockstar Games, Dan Hauser, will be leaving the company on March 11th, 2020. Uh, As I said, he previously worked on numerous GTA games, as well as Red Dead Redemption 1 and 2. And in a statement published ahead of the company's Q3 2020 financial report, Take-Two said, "Quote, after extended break beginning in the spring of 2019, Dan Hauser, vice president, creative at Rockstar Games will be leaving the company. Dan Hauser's last day will be March 11, 2020. We are extremely grateful for his contributions. Rockstar Games has built some of the most critically acclaimed and commercially successful games worldwide." a global community of passionate fans and an incredibly talented team which remains focused on current and future products, end quote. So, Yield, you are the Red Dead Redemption guy here. How do you feel about this?
1: Well, it's, it, it's, a, it's a big blow. I mean, it's, to me, it's like when Amy Hennig left Naughty Dog. I mean, the games will still go on, but they're not going to be the same. There, there's going to be a difference, and so you've got the guy that, you know, that, that's been big behind Grand Theft Auto. He's been the head of Red Dead Redemption, and now he's gone. The games are going to pace differently. They're going to feel differently. They're still going to be good because it's Rockstar, but it's just not going to feel the same.
2: All right. I looked down further in the article here. It says, in a 2018 interview with GQ, Hauser briefly, t- briefly talked about the challenge of right Grand Theft Auto 6 in today's climate. Quote, It's really unclear what would we, we would even do with GTA 6, let alone how upset people would both get with whatever we did. Both intense liberal c- progression and intense conservatism are both very militant and very angry, end quote. So, Alex, I, I asked this question to you. Do you think he's leaving because he could not make Grand Theft Auto the way he wanted to make Grand Theft Auto?
3: Um, <coughs> Sorry, read that to me again. I was reading up on Sora. That
2: okay, he, his quote says, it's really unclear what we would even do with GTA 6, let alone how upset we would both get with whatever we did. It, it, both intense liberal progression and intense conservatism are both very militant and very angry, end quote.
3: I mean, potentially there is something maybe there is something there to that that, you know, he couldn't make the game. He felt he wanted to and that it would um, light too many fires, um, you know, in, in society, so to speak, and draw even more controversy to the series and the game. I, You know, at this point, though, I, I think that if you're the Hauser brothers, you say, what the hell more can we do with this series? I mean, Grand Theft Auto V continues to sell, and of course, Grand Theft Auto 6 is going to sell like crazy, too. But where, where do you take the series now? It almost feels like the series is old and tired. Because it's been... While it has evolved, it's still the same basic framework as in, you know... I mean, okay, so there wasn't a multiplayer element back in the PS2 days. But, at its heart, like, has the game really changed that much since
2: Vice City and San Andreas? Well, I think with 5, with the three different main characters, be able to switch to anything... Yeah, I mean, essentially you play the game the same way, but... Telling a story from three Different perspectives at the same time That you can switch independently between all three I think that was a big boost to the system uh, To the to the series And one of the reasons why I mean outside of Grand Theft Auto Online which is obviously the reason why It's still selling I think that was a good reason Why online caught Off is because a lot of people bought the game To play the, the, the Single player and then They said oh shit they got a great online too I mean, the
3: online has been the biggest evolution of that series since the PS2 days. Um, I mean, yes, maybe they may have added more characters, but... I don't know. It just feels like... I don't know his real reasoning, you can infer from what he said, but at the same time, like, who could blame him if it was just like, I'm just fucking tired of working on Grand Theft Auto. Like, would you really blame him for wanting to get away from the series, even though if it makes tons of money? Because I'm sure he himself has tons of money at this point.
2: Yeah, but... He's also the, the founder and co-president of the company. He, he definitely has a say in what games Rockstar could make. I mean, I, I could understand, like, saying, okay, Rockstar has to make Grand Theft Auto, and if he doesn't want to make Grand Theft Auto, he would, you know, he, his decision to leave and maybe go start another studio where he can make other games. But still, he's the president. He can steer the direction of the company any way he wants. And they have enough money where they can develop two games at the same time
3: yeah but you also have to think about how a game is going to be received with by the media and you know by the populace in general and you know it's, it's something you brought up before but like maybe he feels like the game itself is pushed so far that if they go any further they're, they're going to tip the ship over and people are going to you know come out and like you, I mean you'll see all like all these politicians and you know parents and stuff speak out against Grand Theft Auto because it's it's too extreme or it doesn't fit with you know as what he would seem to be saying is with conservative values of America. Let's be honest, Grand Theft Auto has right. had a fair amount of heat on it in its, in its time.
2: Right, but you were talking about, you know, the, the way the, the audience would receive uh, the next game. I mean, even if he opens up his new studio and releases another game, he's still facing the same thing. Why not just do it under the name of Rockstar where he's already got his foothold and he's the co-president and founder?
3: Well, maybe he feels like if if they didn't push Grand Theft Auto forward in that way, what's the point of making a new Grand Theft Auto game? Because then at this point, maybe he's like, well, if we're not taking on these new things and pushing the envelope even further, we're just making yet another Grand Theft Auto game, and that's not what I want.
2: I I get that. Yul, do you have anything you want to add to this?
1: No. I was trying to think, and there's... There's nothing that I want to add. I mean, we we won't know the reason why until months or a, you know, a years down the road. Maybe, maybe he's just maybe he's just done.
2: Well, if I he opens mean, up a new studio, then we can kind of speculate that he just didn't want to make Grand Theft Auto Or,
3: or maybe he should yes. just you know enjoy
2: retirement
3: with all the money he has
2: true i mean and we do know that grand theft auto 6 is in development so i mean at this point he's leaving mid-development of gta 6 so maybe he just didn't like the way he was heading i don't know maybe well oh, okay well i just kind of want to like i was
3: trying to read up more on on sora and you know the rights there uh well i didn't get like a clear definitive answer all the language that i read and like the articles and stuff makes me believe that Sora, like, whatever the, the decision is to use Sora and however it is to use Sora, like, say, like, Goofy or Mickey or Donald, it all comes back to Disney, and all the, like, language I've heard by, you know, Super Smash Brothers Pro players and, like, anybody who would be close to the game and have in-depth knowledge of the game and the characters, you know, uh, I, watch a of, or I watch a lot of Zero, um... Former like pro player, now he does a lot of streaming on Twitch and stuff. But he does like he releases stuff on YouTube too. I watch I watch a lot of his videos. Uh, but any like of the uh, verbiage I've seen used has basically been like it's Nintendo or it's Disney's decision. It's no one has ever said it's Square Enix's choice. So uh, unless anyone can prove me otherwise, I would say that Disney owns Sora completely and any original characters within Kingdom Hearts.
2: I mean, I, it's understandable, but I just I find that a little weird.
3: I mean, well, let's be honest. Like all how right. many other game companies is Disney letting uh, use their characters? I mean, Disney used to have their own game uh, development studio, which they then shut down uh, in recent years. But, I mean, how many other Disney-like game companies do you see using Disney characters?
2: Uh, well, all right, when you say Disney, I'm assuming so you have you like, got the animated... You've got, you the got the Marvel and the Star Wars... So you've got EA. Yeah, but and a lot of those games
3: were made weren't they made before Disney bought LucasArts?
1: Well, the uh, the current round of Star Wars games was made after Disney bought uh LucasArts.
2: Which could or you could arguably say they were in development for already. Probably. But you you take a game like uh you know, Insomniac has Marvel, uh, Spider-Man. I mean, Disney. Oh, has I forgot about that. Marvel Games division. I'm sorry, yield. You broke up there.
3: No, no. I said I forgot about that. I Forgot Insomniac had more had Spider-Man. Well, and also, I mean, you think back to like the Battlefront games on PS2. Those were EA developed, and that's long before LucasArts went to Disney. So EA has been well, true, making EA- like those games for a long oh, Star Wars game for a long, long time.
2: Yeah, and Disney also got involved with the whole loot box situation with Battlefront 2 uh, and basically you know, forced EA to take out the loot boxes out of that game. So, I mean, Disney is involved, and Disney has many properties that are being made into games. I, and I, I know uh, that Disney actually has their own Marvel Games department where they have a head of that that oversees every Marvel property m- being made into games. So boy well, right. also so like let's... I guess going back
3: to my question uh, I mean yes Disney now owns Marvel and um, Star Wars characters but also those properties were on previous like consoles like years and years before like decades before not so much I mean yeah you used to see like Mickey on like uh, old Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo consoles but when you talk about the classic Disney characters like you would see him on Super Nintendo Genesis but like think recently have you seen, like, an Aladdin game recently, or a Lion King, or a Mickey Mouse, or a Donald Duck game on PlayStation or Xbox?
2: I mean, yes and no. I mean, technically, we did get the Lion King and Aladdin in a package. I mean, granted, those were both remasters from SNES games, but we have seen them ported over to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One.
3: Yes, but those games were already made for consoles previously, so they're just sitting around and, and well- just waiting to be made money on
2: oh true I'm I'm. Not, I'm I guess not what I'm trying to say
3: is that um maybe Disney is a little bit more protective of its char- or less likely to you know license out characters like Mickey and Donald which are their classic characters and they've always owned as opposed to the characters that they have brought in under their umbrella recently and paid for
2: yeah it's also worth noting that Disney now owns Fox too so now we can uh, start getting X-Men games apparently
1: that right, so I would be on. okay with.
2: <laughs> uh, we could also start getting X-Men in our uh, MCU as well. So. Okay, it All right, depends. So
1: on, on. As long as you bring back uh, Hugh for Wolverine, there's nobody else. But anyway, continue. Uh,
2: well, he's already said he's not doing the role anymore.
1: I know, but you you, you know what I'm saying.
2: I know what you're saying. All right, uh, let's find out what Sony is saying. Because there is a rumor going around that Sony is struggling with the PlayStation 5 price due to costly parts. This article is coming from Bloomberg. Yes, Bloomberg, who is a shitty ass mayor. Um, sorry. Uh, the article is written by uh, somebody's name. I can't pronounce. Ta- Takahishi Moshikuku. Benzuntai. Uh, The article reads, scarce components have pushed the manufacturing cost for Sony Corp's next PlayStation 5 to around $450 per unit, forcing a difficult price-setting decision in its battle with Microsoft, according to people with knowledge of the matter. The Japanese conglomerate is preparing to gradually replace the 6 year old PlayStation 4 console, releasing its PlayStation 5 the same holiday season as its arch Race. Arch Rival debuts the upcoming Xbox Series X. Sony typically uh, finalizes the console price in February of the release of the year, followed by a mass production in the spring with the PlayStation 5. The company is taking a wait and see approach and the, said the people are asking not to be named because the details are private. Uh, basically what they're saying is that the PlayStation 5 is going to cost them to make 400 uh, cost them $450 to make which would make the PlayStation 5's price retail to be at least 470 to make some kind of profit, more likely $500. And there's also a rumor that there is another part of the PlayStation 5 that has been taken out of the system to cut cost. So I know neither one of you guys gentlemen are looking to get a PlayStation 5 at launch, but does the 500 price point sound feasible and okay with you gentlemen
1: it does sound feasible it kind of seems like that's where it's going um is it okay that is kind of steep for a console i feel so it benefits me in the sense that I, you know, I'm not getting one day one, so I can hold off and wait for the price to come down. Um, I, it really will depend on what is the final specs, what what can it do, and how long are they planning on supporting it before, oh, we push out another one. You kind of get what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I've read a lot lately of how they're really investing in the cooling because they're putting in so much uh, processing power that they want it, they don't want it to overheat. Which I've always said that it's kind of been a problem with Sony consoles that they run like aircraft carriers.
3: Uh, Yil, you know, before you so, go on, I want to make the point that I've had the same PlayStation Four that I've had since the beginning. So we well, and, and,
1: so, and so have I. Knock on wood.
2: I, yeah,
3: we, I, I mean, we definitely just so fucked ourselves.
1: But but also, tricky can contest, and I'm sure you can too. When you play games like Red Dead, when you play your bigger games, the thing runs like like an aircraft carrier. It runs like an aircraft carrier. I'm half afraid what The Last of Us is going to do to it.
3: I mean, to be to be honest, I don't have that issue with any of the games I've played. Whether it be God of War, Crash Team Racing, um, I've never had an issue with my PlayStation 4 being too loud.
2: Really, God of War definitely made God of War definitely made mine go. Anytime I play The Division 2, it does. I mean, if it did for me, I didn't notice. I just had an open area where it could ventilate, and
3: it was fine. I've never stopped to think, oh, man, that's loud.
2: Yeah, I actually had to put headphones on some games because it was so loud. I couldn't even hear the TV. All right, so, Alex, what about you, the 500 price point? I I think that's a tough
3: sell. I mean, didn't Sony try to sell the original, the top line of the PS3 for $600? There were two there were two uh, skews, right 400 600
2: uh, no, that sounds right I thought, I thought it was 500 600
3: okay well I know there were two models and the top line was 600 uh, for me 500 isn't obviously that bad uh, and I think that the article that you read from actually said 470 that it would need to sell to make a similar price uh, to make a similar margin that it made that the ps3 currently
2: makes. Um, well, yeah, I, I, well, I, well, I did say 470, but I mean, I'm just saying around a nice round number, which you have to push it up to 500 is what I'm was the point I was trying to make.
3: Well, yeah, because the article was like it costs around 450 to make, and it would need to to contain or uh, maintain a similar margin on sales for unit hardware. It had to be around 470 to maintain what's currently happening. 500 um, is too much, I think, for a video game console. I mean, I think that. PC users are used to spending that much money to upgrade their PC or to buy, you know, a quality machine to run the top line games. Uh, Console gamers are not. Uh, If you are traditionally play on a home console, like an Xbox, a PlayStation, a Switch, or, you know, some of the older consoles, you're not used to paying that much for a console and like that. Honestly, that's the kind of price that's going to make people flinch. You know, the diehard fans, Tricky, I know you're going to buy it regardless starting out but a lot of the diehard like a lot of people will say i'm gonna wait on this and i'll just continue to play the playstation 4 like i'm, I'm fine with this or i'll play games on my mobile phone or you know if you have a pc um you know pe- people are like i'm content playing on the pc right now because i just upgraded my pc and i'll wait for the price to drop i think 500 is too much i think it's believable given the the tech that we've seen going on modern consoles and how they're getting closer to actual computers but I, I do think that the, the 500 price point is going to make people flinch because, let's be honest, two of the three people on this show have already flinched at the price and said, no, we're not going to get it day one. And that's, you know, me and
2: Yield. Well, I'm flinching at the price as well. and let, You let, have let three you
3: consoles in your house. What do you mean you're flinching? You're salivating the prospect oh. of buying
2: this day one. Yes, well, yes, you're right on the fact that I'm going to buy day one regardless of the price. But let me tell you why the 500 price point is making me flinch. It through all the rumors and conversations we've had, it uh, it seems like the Xbox Series X is going to be the more powerful of the two systems. Uh, I listened to a podcast. I don't remember if it, if it was a uh, PS I love you or Games Daily, but they made a point it doesn't really matter how powerful the system is if the games and the technology is or the games and the software are not there so if the xbox series 1x comes out at 500 and the playstation 5 also comes out at 500 how many people are going to turn around and say well if i'm paying the same amount Why don't I get the more powerful of the system? Yeah, but
3: brand loyalty and and exclusives speak to people more strongly than that. I mean, you've got people who've been buying PlayStation consoles since, you know, they were kids. Or at least they've been playing on consoles since they were kids and their parents were buying for them. Uh, So, (coughs) brand loyalty does matter. I mean, even though we don't really see too much of the console wars, and that's kind of a a, a thing in the past, there is still a strong brand loyalty for Sony and for Microsoft, and people want to play the games that Microsoft owns, and people want to play the games that Sony owns. So I think that if the consoles come out at the same price, people will be like, well, it may not be as powerful, but I can't play, you know, uh, The Last of Us, or I can't play Uncharted, or I can't play Ratchet & Clank or Horizon Zero Dawn on an Xbox console, so why would I do that? Or, you know, people might say, well, I can't play Halo or Gears or Forza or um, Hellblade on... Playstation console, so what? Why am I gonna, you know, go buy that? So I mean, brand loyalty does does still matter. I think I would say that well, matters yeah, brand more lo- so than pa- raw power.
2: Well, yeah, brand loyalty does matter, but if the Xbox comes out and says, "We're gonna give you the, the Series X, and we're gonna give you three to six months of Game Pass, which there's hundreds of games that you can play right now, and we're gonna give you Xbox Live for a year or whatever the case may be." that may just be enough to make people switch over and say okay i can play i can get the new the more the most powerful system on the market have hundreds of games to play and i don't have to wait for games to be released cuz i have this whole back catalog now granted the playstation 5 has said that they're going to be backwards compatible now we don't know exactly how that's going to work because one of the reasons why we found out the playstation 4 was not backwards compatible was because they couldn't get the cell processor from the playstation 3 to work properly on the playstation 4 and that's why we never really had true backwards compatibility well let me let me so, make a point
3: to you jerky uh the playstation ahead. 2 uh was the best-selling console of its generation and of the three consoles power wise it was weaker than the xbox and the gamecube but yet it outside both outsold both of them by
2: a wide margin power does not matter and, as and much about, as you think it does that, no, no, I'm, I'm not saying that it, the power is definitely going to sway. It, you're right, I'm it just, will sway
3: some people. But if you've got... I mean, backwards compatibility doesn't matter to people who've been buying Sony exclusives for decades now. Because, guess what? You still can't play those on an Xbox, even if that Xbox has backwards compatibility.
2: I, you're right. I, I, I just think that if they come out at the same price point... But to, to the people thinking... like, Because even this article mentioned... Do the people thinking that Sony is waiting until Xbox announces their price before uh, Sony announces their price? That is long, not true. That, that there's no way that Sony's simply just waiting for Xbox to come out with their price point before they announce theirs, so they can undercut them. I think they both have their prices set, and right now both console or both manufacturers are sitting here trying to figure out what price point do they have to sell it at to 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 make a profit and. Well- I, honestly, if Sony is waiting for Microsoft, which I don't think they are, if Microsoft comes out and says their new console is $500, I, I think that Sony might just have to uh, sell it at a, at a loss because we all know that these manufacturers really don't make money off the consoles. They make the money off the software, off the games. So if they have to sell the PlayStation 5 at a loss, then I think that's might, what Sony might have to well, do. Didn't
3: Sony sell the PS3 at a loss initially?
2: They did. Yeah, so then, they they uh, would you know.
3: assume you would assume that they would be like, okay, let's just get the consoles into people's homes and then have them buy games.
2: Well, that's and, that's, and then I mean, later on down the generation,
3: do. we can cut the price. We can figure out the technology, make it more efficient, and release you know more value priced console versions. Right? Maybe that's not the right you know terminology to use, but less expensive versions of the console that run more efficiently that save us money and cost, so we can pass that on to the consumer.
2: Yield, what do you think about all this? Oof. I, I know it's a lot of information to uh, it to was.
1: To. Um, I just don't see the article makes sense at the 470 price point. I just don't see him coming out with an oddball at 470. It, it's always been right below the hundreds. So I think 499 is quite. Feasible for the next console, I do feel that it's high. Um, I do believe maybe they'll try it and do like Alex said with the, you know, we'll get it out there, we'll we'll get it into can get it into consumers' hands, and then try to come out, you know, with some cheaper components. Is a bad word I want to say, but a more efficient. Cost-efficient way to produce it to bring the price down, um, or they'll go with the, the the four method, and it what the article say it costs four fifty to to produce.
2: That's what they that's what they're uh, speculating. Yes.
1: So they figure that there have been. What is there, 10 million units sold for the 4 so far? Probably higher than that, but I'm, I'm trying to go off of an old number that I remember hearing. So, if we sell it for $400, take 50 bucks a hit for every console that we sell, we know we got these line of games coming up that are specifically for our system. We'll make the money up there. You can honestly make it right now. You can honestly make an argument for both sides of that s- sales. You could see them selling for 500 bucks a pop, or you could see them taking the hit and selling it at 400 bucks a pop, knowing that we've that we're going to make our money up in game sales.
2: All right. So let's get into, uh, the dice awards. This is our last topic before we go into our topic of the week. Uh, I'm just basically. Getting, I'm not going to read the nominations because this article doesn't have the nominations. I'm just going to read the award and who won. If you want to say something about it, uh, just stop me, and then we'll have a little discussion, and then we'll move on. Uh, starting from the bottom and going up to the top, portable game of the year winner: Sayonara Wild Hearts. Outstanding achievement in game direction: Control. Strategy simulation game of the year: Fire Emblem Three Houses. Sports game of the year FIFA 20. Role playing game of the year at The Outer Worlds. Racing game of the year Mario Kart Tour. i oh, that's stopping here shit. Actually,
3: I've heard a lot well, of yes. bo- I've heard a lot of complaints about that game in particular because of the microtransactions and how they're real shitty.
2: Outside of Dr. Mario, this is the worst performing Nintendo mobile game and I have no idea how this beat out an F1 game, and also uh, crash racing. Yeah, it's, it's, that, it, it whiffs the bullshit to me
3: because I know there was a lot of excitement for uh, Mario Kart Tour when it first came out, and I know it got downloaded by a huge amount of people. My boss even mentioned to me at work because he had downloaded it. He had been playing it for a day or so when he mentioned it to me. But I've heard nothing but complaints about that game ever since. Like, people say that game sucks.
2: It, sucks. I, I play it. It's horrible. All right. Moving on, outstanding technical achievement. That's Stranding. Outstanding achievement in story, Disco Elysium. Outstanding achievement in original music composition, Control. Outstanding achievement in game design, Baba is You. Hey, you know
3: uh, how Disco Elysium won, uh, you know, the outstanding achievement in, in game or story? Is that because they just? Right. Is that because they don't? Uh, the people who, you know, were choosing these awards, the Dice Awards, is it because they they play too many first-person
2: shooters. I don't know. I don't. I don't even know who the judges are. Do you, in this. Do you I know get what I'm not... saying?
3: There, you get what I'm referring back to.
2: Uh, because when Hideo was Kojima first? was talking um, about so-so so
3: reviews for Death Stranding, he was like, "Well, that's because American players play too many first-person shooters." Oh. Eh. Okay. All right. Fine. Whatever. Cut that shit out. Then. I was trying, I, to, be funny. I I was trying it, to make Alex. a point, but no I, one got I knew it. where
2: I knew where you were going. But, all right, outstanding achievement in character, The Untitled Goose Game, The Goose. Outstanding achievement in art direction, Control. Outstanding achievement in animation, Luigi's Mansion. Oh, Luigi. you're damn right. Get him, Luigi. Get in there. Online game of the year, Apex Legends. Immersive, Steven's reality favorite. Achievement.
3: Steven Fontana approved Apex Legends.
2: Immersive Reality Technical Achievement, Blood and Truth. Immersive Reality Game of the Year, Pistol Whip. Fighting Game of the Year, Mortal Kombat 11.
3: Oh, the Smash Brothers fans won't be happy about
2: that. Family Game of the Year, Super Mario Maker 2. Smash Brothers wasn't even nominated in that category, by the way. Oh,
3: well, that's surprising. Well, there's always a big debate about whether Smash Brothers is a fighting game or not. Um,. I mean, people have turned it, turned it into a competitive scene and have turned it into a fighting game, but I mean, Smash Brothers is at his heart, even Sakurai, uh, Masahiro Sakurai, the creator, um, or the creative director, I don't know his title, but he's basically the big shot behind it, uh, he has basically said it's, it was a party game that has morphed, morphed into something else. So, Smash Brothers is a party game, but yes, people have also turned it into a competitive fighting game as well.
2: All right, Adventure Game of the Year, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah! Action Action Game of the Year, Control. Outstanding Achievement in Audio Design, Death Stranding. Outstanding Achievement for an Independent Game, Untitled Goose Game. And your Game of the Year, Untitled Goose Game.
3: Man, talk about an underdog. It's like Little Mac rising in the the ranks of Punch-Out and beating the champion.
2: So there are your Dice Awards,
3: and th- these awards are chosen uh, by the industry, correct?
2: I I I believe so. I'm I'm trying to look that up right now, but I, it's because I'm on my phone trying to do this. It's a little hard. Um, just vamp for a little bit, let me see if I can find out. Yel, do you have a problem with any of those awards?
3: Hmm. Well, here's a better question. Yield, have you played Untitled Goose be, Game?
1: It, no, I haven't, and I, I don't think I wouldn't mind giving it a whirl. I mean, I live with I, a essentially
3: 11- and a 14-year-old, so I've heard a lot about Untitled Goose Game.
1: But I... It feels like there's a lot of games out there that were left out of categories, and... Of course, we don't know the nominations, but it just seems like there's a handful of games that won everything.
3: Well, I mean, Control was obviously a big winner of the night, and Mario Kart Tour, that's the only award that I'm like, really, that game won? Uh, I mean, I know that there's a lot of love for the Entitled Goose game, and like I said, I live with kids who have talked about it very lovingly, and it's kind of like taken, you know, the indie scene by storm. There's always seems to be this game, you know, every... Four or five months that comes along and just you know grabs the internet by its balls and just everyone just kind of if the internet darling for a while. And right now, in the second half of the year, it's the or at least last year, it seems like Untitled Goose Game was that game. And you know, I, I have actually, as silly of a concept as it might seem, like just being a goose and going around raising havoc and just being a general asshole. Uh, it seems that everyone who plays it has a lot of fun with it. I think that that's a big part of the indie scene is creating games that, you know, are good and quality and fun, but also that are unconventional and are much different than anything else you've ever played, and I would say that Untitled Goose Game is definitely that.
2: Alright, I have found it. Uh, according to the DICE website, it says uh, the the industry experts comprise of an incredible body of accomplishments in all facets of gamecraft, art, design, engineering, animation, performance, and production. That these game makers determine, Dice Award finalists distinguishes the Dice Awards from all others. Uh, and there are there's a list of panelists. I'm just gonna I'm not gonna go through the whole list, um, uh, but some of these names you're gonna recognize: uh, Nick Aherns, uh, Troy Baker, Ed Boone. I'm um, looking through this real quick. Um, Alexa Ray Korea. Uh, do, 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 do. Neil Druckmann. What
3: you're telling me is this so, panel is full of pe- of ballers, like big shots.
2: Well, I, I'm I'm skipping a shitload of names here. Yeah, but three um, of the names <laughs> you
3: have mentioned are involved with Naughty Dog, or two of the names you've mentioned are involved with Naughty Dog, and the other one was the creator of, of Mortal Kombat, a.k.a. video game legend, Slash, you know, creative god Ed Boom.
2: Uh, I mean, I, I'm just companies here. I'm seeing Skydance, uh, Skydance Interactive, Arcane Studios, Insomniac, Bandai Namco, Crystal Dynamics, uh, Epic Games, Disney, Fox, uh, Microsoft, uh, BioWare. I mean, they come from all over the industry. So obviously, they have voice actors, you know, game directors, producers, all that. I mean, so this is definitely an industry uh, uh, an awards it doesn't look like the the audience is involved at all oh well, yeah
3: but if you're put on a panel with people like Ed Boone and um, oh who was the guy from Naughty Dog, Dog you Baker. mentioned I know you mentioned Troy Baker as well but who's the, the guy from Naughty Dog ne- Neil Druckmann Neil Druckmann yeah if you're put on a panel with Neil Druckmann and Ed Boone uh, you cl- I, even if I don't recognize your name if you're not a household name you clearly have some fucking chops
2: yes uh so yeah so obviously this is uh all people in the industry so these the it, they call it the peer uh jury so there you go All right and let's get into our topic of the week You'll you kind of put this in here uh an article here for Jeff Keeley is skipping E3 2020 Uh looking through this right now to see uh exactly I I know he put out the press things um, but just a tweet from uh, at Fendozer asked Jeff Keeley what fueled your decision to not participate and Jeff Keeley says a ton of factors I just don't really feel comfortable participating given what I know about the show as of today so you put in here that uh, is E3 uh, dying or is it evolving so, yield. I'm going to give you the floor first. What do you think about E3? Because now that we know that Jeff Keighley is not going, Sony's again not going, and Nintendo hasn't been there for years.
1: Well, you know, I think it's a combination of both. So the E3 as we know it is dying. You know the the whole industry of you know where we're showcasing everything new and. This is where we're headed, and all that. It's still somewhat like that, but I think with the demand to get into E3 and the the way that PAX has taken off with their access, you know, with the the way the fans have been able to get to it, E3 adopted that. And I and although it was exciting for fans to be able to get in there, I think that that helped to kill it off because it's so packed that nobody can can get in there and you know the media can't get in there and do what they need to do and then when nintendo broke off to decide that they were just gonna will release some our, our own little
2: uh, nintendo direct
1: yeah nintendo direct we're gonna do a few shows a year you know, and just do our own thing. Sony's kind of adopted that with the uh, state of play. You know, ex- Microsoft is the only one who's like, well, we're going to go there. We're, we're, they're just going to have the show to themselves. I mean, you'll have your, you know, EA and Ubisoft.
2: and uh, Well, technically, though, both of those are done off-site. They're not actually... I'm, I'm not going to say they don't have boots inside of E3, but the microsoft yeah. sony all those press conferences are technically done offsite before E3 technically starts
1: yeah they were all, but but it was still E3 weekend and they were all done around E3 but now it's you know nintendo does nintendo direct sony's doing state of play microsoft is the last the last company i was going to say horse but they're the last ones to still We're going to show up at E3. We're going to do our big presser for our games, our consoles, yada, yada, yada. So, in a sense, I think E3 is dying, but it is evolving to the... Well, no, I can't tie that together. No, it's dying. The evolving part is the... Instead of having just once a year where we're going to dump all the information of this is what's in the pipeline and so on and so forth. We're just going to give you snippets of stuff as we're close to it. Does that make sense? Like you're the Drex and State of Play.
2: Yeah, I got you. Okay. Uh, Hold on. I just found uh, Jeff Keeley's statement. Uh, He said on Twitter, in a post, he said, for the past 25 years, I've attended every E3 Covering, hosting, and sharing E3 has always been a highlight of my year, and not to mention defining part of my career. I debated what to say about E3 2020. While I want to support the developers who will showcase their work, I also need to be open and honest with you, the fans, about precisely what to expect from me. I have made the difficult decision to decline to produce E3 Coliseum. For the first time in 25 years, I will not be participating in E3. I look forward to supporting the industry in other ways and at other events in the future. So, Alex, the floor is now yours, sir.
3: You know, I think that obviously, as Yield said, that E3 has become kind of inhospitable to not only a lot of the people who work within the industry, you know, journalists and whatnot, but also, you know, the the fans, the people who, you know, have to go to PAX in order to get their video game fix or to get that uh, expo fix because they can't make it into E3. Uh, more importantly, though, I think that the way that information is disseminated, you know, like Yield also said, Nintendo breaking off and doing directs. When The biggest problem for E3 is when people is when companies start breaking off, whether it be publishers or developers or platform holders, they start breaking off and they have their own little ways to get in touch. They tr- get in touch directly with their, their fan base, with their consumers. So, when companies start doing that and they can, you know, drip feed us information, you know, give us, you know, via Nintendo Direct one new Super Smash Brothers character every three or four months, they don't really need E3 to kind of, as this giant grand stage for them. They can, you know, just have a one-on-one conversation with the fans, which each and every, every one of us through, like, YouTube or some uh, app on our phones or on our computers. I think that was the biggest problem is when... Some of the biggest stars that would go to E3 and the biggest companies holding up E3 started to communicate with us in different ways, and that's where a shift started happening. To where I've become a lot less interested in E3 to the point where I don't really care anymore about E3. I remember back in high school, I would always watch every single day of E3. I remember, you know, watching G4 and seeing Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb cover E3 and all the interviews and stuff, and reading all the wrap-ups and like GameStop, uh, GameSpot and IGN, and all the blogs, and everything, and reading up on all the things that was announced, now I don't care. I would rather have, Nintendo's directs are a perfect way to deliver information. I don't want you to sit there for an hour and a half, and do some giant stage show, and tell me all the stuff that's coming my way. All I want is every once in a while, come onto my computer screen, or my phone, for 20 minutes, tell me what you got coming in the near future, and then get out of my face. I want like I, There's so much information to take in that I just want small drip feeds, you know, 20 minutes of information, and then just let me be on my day. I think that's the best way to handle things now. That way people can consume media the way they want instead of having to sit there and watch E3 for three straight days to see, you know,
2: maybe the handful of games they actually want to see. So I think the way, like... So you're... What? I was going to say, so you're a fan of Sony now doing the state of place. I... I think Sony needs to be more regular with it. I think Nintendo's Directs are perfect.
3: I really like them a lot. Um, small, bite-sized chunks and give me a ton of information within there. I, I just love that. It's more exciting because I can look forward to the announcements more often, and they can often go in-depth on you know certain games. Like They had a good Direct recently for the Pokemon games, specifically DLC for Pokemon Sword and Shield. That's great. I don't want that to get lost in some giant E3 presentation. I just It's like, hey, a Pokemon Direct's coming up great i know i want to watch that so i can devote 20 20 minutes to that but you know i mean sony's always done like tgs and there's always been other shows where they revealed information uh i can't remember the name of the big video game conference in um in germany every year
2: but um Gamescom Gamescom. Gamescom and paris
3: games yeah. week so there there have always been these but, other big but events paris is
2: games weeks so obviously in paris
3: but i i think that as time goes on, we're seeing that when platform holders and, you know, developers interact directly with us instead of through a big event, that's really the best way to get their message out. Like, I think the way, like, E3, we always described it as video game Christmas, it's no longer that, because it's not the way that I want to consume that information anymore. I'm not like, you know, a snake unhinging my jaw and just eating everything that people feed me. I'm a lot more conscious about the way I spend my time now and I, I just wanted nintendo direct style instead of e3 like e3 was a I mean, fun event to go to i went in 2011 2012 no 2012 uh and it was fun but i also you know come from the like the, the side of it where i was you know writing articles and i was more of the press side of it where i don't know it almost feels like pax does it better now than e3 does
2: i i kind of agree with you cuz like I, I used to go to E3 myself, and I didn't even try to go this year, uh, which I was kind of kicking myself for a while because I, I didn't go last year. I didn't go this year. I'm not going this year. Um, I didn't go last year because i was going to Breaking news, everyone.
3: There. Sony, Jeff Keighley, and Tricky Mick will not be at E3 2020. Uh, I <laughs> I saw, I saw a picture on Facebook ruined. of um, Jeff Keighley, like two people labeled as like Jeff Keighley and Sony kind of skipping or holding hands together in a parking lot, and from a window is like someone labeled as uh, E3 was watching uh, through through some blinds with a very scowly look on their face.
2: Oh the oh the SpongeBob meme.
3: Yeah, that made it uh, that, that that this makes it all make a lot more sense. But uh, someone add Tricky Mick into that, please. Have Tricky skipping and holding hands with Sony and Jeff Keighley, at, uh, <laughs> much to the chagrin of the E3, the ESA I guess is the the ones who read E3.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I, like I was saying before, Alex decided to give me shit. Uh, I, I I, made the decision that I wasn't going to go this year, and now I'm kind of happy because Sony's not going again. I was kicking myself making the decision because I really thought that Sony was going to reveal the PlayStation 5 this year, and I wanted to be at the press conference when they did that. I mean, obviously that's not happening anymore. Uh, but I, I like E3 because E3 is... The time, you know, that that, Saturday, that Sunday and that Monday where you just know what's – you find out what's coming in the next year or what they have planned for the future. I always liked that excitement. I always got hyped up for it. I always took vacation from work. I mean, I'm off for of vacation E3 week this year from work so I can sit at home and and do that. But it, with with Sony not going this year, it, it, even like last year, I it, it just it seemed like a part – of E3 was missing a, a big chunk because everybody looked forward to that Sony press conference Monday night. And now that we're not getting that, I, I don't know, I just...
3: I think the issue that a lot of people I, have is that they th- they kind of get their feelings mixed where they they loved E3 growing up and they remember what it was like, but I, I think that they get those feelings mixed with how they actually feel now. It's kind of a conflict like conflicting feelings because, I mean, maybe some people still do love E3, but... I you know it's like I can separate how I used to feel about E3 and how, and what drew me to E3 cuz I would watch it every single year like I was excited for it in the weeks build up but do you actually still enjoy E3 watching E3 or is it just what because you grew up with it and you enjoyed watching it so much that that kind of like there are remnants of those feelings and that excitement still even if the show isn't what it used to be
2: it, it it's the excitement of finding out I mean Going back to when Sony revealed the PlayStation 4. And now that's going back, what, six years now? Seven years? Just like the, the Sony doing that press conference, and the, the video with Adam Boyce and Shuhei Yoshida, this is how we share a game. And then he just hands over the game and goes, that's it. And, you know, Jack Trenton come out on stage and saying, uh, you do not need to be online with our console and all this stuff. Like the mic drop moments. I love that shit. And even Sony's last press conference when they just covered the four games, which I think were The Last of Us 2, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, Death Stranding, and I think it was Spider-Man? I think. I don't know. Even though that conference started out, you know, kind of shaky with them, you know, taking the 20-minute intermission to move everybody from one uh, place to another, I like that shit. Like, the deep dive into the games. So... When you talk about like the Nintendo Directs, where they go a deep dive into Pokemon or a deep dive into Fire Emblem or whatever it may be, I like those as well, and I kind like of like to state the place too, cause you, know, it's it's quick in and out to the point, but I like the, the time when they spend on the game saying this is why we're doing this, and then, you know, it's it's hit after hit after hit, that God of War reveal at the E3, was fucking phenomenal, and when you find out that was being played live by Corey Ball, like, at the same time. Like, that shit impresses me, and yeah, it gets me hyped. Well, let me ask you this. Now what, what would you enjoy to-
3: more? A giant E3 with all these games mixed together? Or Sony to say, alright, right, fans, listen, we got a bunch of games coming out this year, we're gonna have, like, say, a direct-style thing, I mean, they would obviously change the name to not look like they were copying Nintendo, but, um, uh, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. But, they would say, hey, we're going to spend 20 minutes on this date talking about The Last of Us Part Two, and then 20 minutes three months later talking about Ghost of Tsushima, and then 20 minutes later talking about a new um, siphon filter game. That's that's for you, Yield. Would you, would you be more excited if they said, hey, we're going to talk about this one game and focus on this one game for 20 minutes on this night, and then we're going to talk about this other game down the road, and then we're only going to focus on that game. Would you rather have Sony do Multiple, like say, like 10 direct style things every year to focus on a different game, or do you want them to mash them all together in some, you know, grandeur that is E3? Actually,
2: I, I honestly, I'd like a combination of both. I'd like the big stage presence at E3 saying, hey, this is the next 10 games we got coming over the next year, build up the hype, and then, you know, a month or two or before the game actually releases. Do a direct style We say, okay, now we're going to go a deep dive into this game. E3, to me, was all about setting up the hype for the next year. Letting us know, hey, Last of Us 2 is coming. God of War is coming. Days Gone is coming. Uh, oh, I love that hype, like saying the, the surprises. Now it just feels like, okay, we're putting out The Last of Us 2, and you know it will be out on this day. And then we don't hear nothing. And you kind of brought it up to the point with the state of plays as well. Sony isn't doing those that often. Like we, when they first started, everybody thought that like they do one like every three months or so. You know, we've gone longer than that in between state of plays. I think we got what three since last year.
3: Yeah, but I mean, there are so many conferences, press conferences, and media briefings and expos, really that do it better than E three, so do we really need E three? I mean you'd get a ton of information at PAX.
2: Yeah, but there, there's no press conferences at PAX. Like like I'm not going to PAX this year either. And I'm really pissed off because now uh, they just announced that The Last of Us Two is playable there.
3: Yeah but for the longest now, time E three yeah I mean like yes the audience was always a big part of E three, but E three was for investors. It was for, like, hey, this is what we got coming this year, uh, whereas PAX was more for the people, like the fans, because you could actually get in there and see the games. Well,
2: well yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's the speculation why Sony and Nintendo and now Jeff Keighley are, you know, shying away from E3 is because of the fact that they're letting more of the public in, and the the first year they let him in is when I, when I went to E3, you could barely fucking move in that place. Like, you had to, like throw some elbows to make room and it's just, they, they tried to cater too much to the fans, which I get because they're a business and they have to make money. But E3 was all about the industry events. And, you know, maybe I'm jaded, maybe, you know, because I'm a media that I go in and it's hard for me to get to appointments. I mean, yield, you went to PAX a couple years ago. How hard was it for you to move on that show for, to get to appointments?
1: It wasn't hateful. I figured it'd be far worse.
2: Right, and E three that first year where they let the public in was ten times worse. Oh yeah,
3: I, I believe it. Well, I mean, like before we get too long on this, because we do want to get some past listener questions that we haven't been able to answer on previous shows. But it seems like there is still like a desire for E three, but it also seems like a lot of people within the circles of the industry, a lot of the the companies that work within the industry, journalists actually want to move away from E three. So. Uh, I don't know if it's dying, but it certainly needs to change before it does die
2: off. I, I think basically, I mean, and one other th- aspect that we're not talking about is the, the major leak after E3 of last year, how E3 basically leaked everybody's information because it got hacked. So that's another reason why people are shying away as well. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think the only way... E3 is going to get back to its glory. It's basically they got to shut out the public and leave it to the industry. Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, get it twisted because they see the press conferences online that E3 was for the public. But E3 has always been for the industry. It was ne- it was an industry event. It was never a fan event. And now they're, they're opening the doors to the fans, which I get, but that's not what E3 was. So... And then we talked about it on a previous episode about how uh, it costs like ten to fifteen million, you know. Actually, costs. Uh, I'm sorry, fifty to seventy five million just to put on a boot at E3. I mean, Sony can save that money and do another, you know, small event somewhere. Well, like they said, they're gonna go to hundreds of events this year. You know, so it is what it is. All right, uh, Alex, hit us with those reader questions. Yeah, I got some
3: Facebook questions that uh, we have skipped over for the previous weeks, uh, but we definitely want to get to them. So Uh, back from January 28th, Levi asks, my question for the next episode, I've never played any of the GTA games, but I've slowly bought them all, uh, most for multiple consoles and PC. Which game should I play first? What console slash PC do you prefer to play them on? Feel free to list your sequence in which you'd suggest I play these games. Really think about just starting with five. Uh, my quick answer on this, Levi, uh, my favorite game in the series is Grand Theft Auto by City. I love the whole 80s feel to it, the vibe, the music soundtrack. Uh, the, the sights of the city lit up at night uh, was perfect. Um, yeah, the whole atmosphere of that game, me being born in the 80s and kind of living my early years in the 80s, it just kind of hit a home run with me. Uh, I think you should start with the original Grand Theft Auto because, it, or excuse me, Grand Theft Auto 3, which was the, made the big jump to what we know Grand Theft Auto is now. Because I feel like if you start with five and then go backwards, you're going to be disappointed. But I would say start with three. Um, Vice City is a great game. Uh, San Andreas is a really good game. It's just a little too big for me. Uh, But I I mean, I would start with three if if I were you, since you had them all already. What what do you all think about that?
1: So I'll go ahead. So I agree with Alex in the sense that if you're going to start with a GTA game, start with three. Because one, it started it all. And you'll understand where the games have come with the silent protagonists, which I didn't think would work, but they did a really great job with it. Um, if you didn't want to start with 3, I would definitely start with Vice. Because in my humble opinion, Vice is probably the best of the GTAs. But that's just me. San Andreas was good, it pushed the game to new heights, but after a while, it just turned into an exercise in eating Sim, in a sense. Sim's probably an ever-exaggerated word. Um, and then I've enjoyed five, but I didn't get the as much enjoyment out of it as I did with three and Vice. So I, w- I would start
2: there. I, you know, I, I really don't have an answer because, I, I never fell in love with the GTA games as much as other people have. I, I played them, I played everything from three on. Uh, I don't think I ever beat any of them except for four and five. Um, I, I'm not really a big GTA guy, but, yeah, I. If I was going to say anything, I would say go back to 3 and start there, um, only because of the fact that if you started on 4 or 5 and went back, the, the graphics alone would throw you off. So, I, I, yeah, I would start at 3 and work my way forward.
3: All right, and uh, Homer here with a litany of questions. Uh, if you were stuck on a desert island and had capabilities to play video games, I'm assuming that includes internet. Uh, what three games would you take and why? If I had to take three games, I would probably take Ocarina of Time, I would take Rocket League, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate.
2: My answer... Go ahead, Tricky. My answers would be, answers would be uh, Division 2, Last of Us, and A Link to the Past.
1: Uh, Ocarina of Time... Uh... Uncharted 2 and Oh, what would my last one be? Let's go Super Mario Brothers 3.
3: All right. Homer also wants to know the best video game franchise, best three best video game franchises go. Uh, I will say Legend of Zelda Super Smash Brothers, and uh, I guess I'll go with Uncharted.
2: I would say Zelda. Uh, franchises. I want to say God of War, only, because, but I think I'm say, I want to say God of War just because of how much I liked uh, the 2018 version. Um, but yeah, I would... I, God of War, Zelda, and... Hmm. Uh, Assassin's Creed.
1: Legend of Zelda, Uncharted, and Super Mario Brothers, because Mario still sells.
2: See, I was going to say Mario, but... Uh, I don't know, those those games kind of seem repetitive.
1: The, 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 the games now aren't as good. The reason I went with this is look at how they've branched Mario off, and even with Luigi. We'll, we'll throw Luigi's uh, you know the the Luigi's Mansion games in there. The two of them, they still sell games. You know, the Mario Sports games do good. The you know S- Smash Brothers have them in it, and they do good. So I'm just saying them as a so when whole. When you say
2: Mario games, you're including everything. Mario, I'm in,
1: I, I, yeah. Mario. I'm in, I'm encompassing everything Mario and Luigi.
2: Okay.
3: Uh, Next question, Alex. final question from Homer. The best three consoles you've ever owned and why? I would have to say the Super Nintendo, the PS2, and the PS4. Because I just... I, those games... Those consoles have the, the, the breadth of video game library and quality that I really enjoy. And, you know, even if a game originally released on the PS3 like Shadow of the Colossus, I could still play it on the 4.
2: Uh, I'm gonna say Super <laughs> Nintendo... The original Nintendo and the PlayStation Four,
1: the PlayStation Three, because of the of the games that were on it for me. Uh, well, because the, of the siphon filter, uh, the NES, and probably the PlayStation Two.
2: It's a shame nobody said the Vita, mate. Rest in peace.
3: I thought you would say the Vita, tricky.
2: I, I, I only didn't say the Vita because they didn't support it as well as they should have. But the Vita is a very, very, very good system. It just wasn't supported the way it should have been.
3: All right, next. This comes from Resident Daryl. If you could read only one trophy count for the rest of your life of trophy horrors, why would it be Resident Daryl's? Because, Daryl, it rhymes with level 45, trophy count of 10,191, and a total of 187 plats. According to CJ, we uh, need to liberate. Hashtag liberate RD trophies. Uh, and our last question.
2: Hold on, hold on. You realize I am edited, and now that's going to be taken out of the show.
3: That's fine. At least I tried. Uh, and lastly, we have a question from Levi, who we said was been very active. And yes, we do appreciate Levi and how active you've been in the chat. He says so i'm stoked about all the great games releasing the ps4 in its final year but the games announced for the ps5 this winter seem a bit lackluster is it just me or does this sound backward and of course a lot of people respond in the chat including um matt and Kali. but you know i thought we'd still answered here on the show um tricky i'll let you you feel this one first
2: i don't think it's been lackluster i think it's just uh we haven't gotten any real knowledge i mean the only confirmed PlayStation 5 game that we know of right now is Godfall. God, Godfall. That's the, name, that's the name? Okay. Um, but obviously, we know that other games are coming. They just haven't been announced yet. So uh, to say it's lackluster, I, I can't disagree with you right now because uh, obviously, I think we should have had more information by this point. But I, before I make a judgment on saying that it's lackluster or you know what is coming and you know how good or shitty it may be, I'm going to wait for the official announcement.
1: Okay, so I will go the other direction. With the information that we have, yes, it's absolutely lackluster.
3: Right here, let me read some of the responses from the chat. Uh, Kalai says, this is normal for a new console release. Both the Xbox and PS4 had lackluster day one releases. Uh, Matt says, we're still a year out from those releases. We'll likely see a lot more in the next few months with a really big reveal in the summer. Normally, launch lineups are kind of slim, but I have a feeling it's going to be jam-packed this time around. Uh, while I agree to some degree uh, with those sentiments, I also feel like Levi makes a good point in that I don't think this is the normal norm we see because a lot of times you think of like the PS2, like its big final hurrah was God of War 2 and I can't really think of anything else that came out in really its final year that, you know, shook the, the um, earth to its ground. But the PS4, you know, we have The Last of Us 2, we have Ghost of Tsushima, Dreams just came out. So, in its last year, uh, being the big daddy console for Pia, for for like <coughs> the console for Sony, the, the PlayStation 4 has had a lot more offerings than traditionally we've had in the past, because usually the console releases die off in the last year. I think that Levi's point that... Yeah,
1: because everything gets, everything gets pushed to the new console. Well, yeah,
3: but I think Levi's point that there's a ton in the lead-up, I don't think that's the norm. I think that we're seeing more for the PlayStation 4 than we have in the past for other consoles in the lead-up to the new console.
2: All right. Uh, and I I want to bring up another thing in the, the that Levi posted in the group. Uh, he posted this back on February 3rd. It said, Tricky, I heard you mention Lego games in tonight's podcast. I'm highly interested as to hear what that – I'm highly interested as I hear they're actually pretty awesome little action adventure games. You don't have to answer now or even on the show. Well, obviously, we are answering on the show. But I would like to know your list of favorite Lego games and where I should start. Now, Alex, you Leg- actually left a Legas- comment.
1: LEGO Star Wars.
2: Alright. Alex actually left a comment here. It says, uh, they've improved the games with every iteration, but it comes down to which licenses you like. I enjoyed the first Lego Batman and Lego Pirates of the Caribbean. Marvel Superheroes is a lot of fun, but it gets but it is a huge game and it gets kind of monotonous. Correct. Uh, uh yeah, and I, I have to agree with Alex's answer here because it really comes down to what you like. Now, I own Lego games that I probably never will play, and that's um, Lego Lord of the Rings and Lego The Hobbit, only because I've never really been interested in those franchises. But if you're interested in the, in the franchises, like me and Yield are both highly looking forward to uh, the Skywalker Saga. Well, yeah, because now you um, get
1: you get all nine movies redone, and with voice acting this time, whereas the original Lego Star Wars games had no voice acting, but they're still hilarious.
2: I mean, yeah, they're fun. Uh, The story aspect of the game has always been very funny. Uh, But Alex points out they are monotonous at the end when you're doing all the collectibles, trying to find all the red, gold bricks, all the collectibles, all that stuff. Unlock all the
1: characters.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that stuff gets very (laughs) monotonous. But luckily, uh, because there's such a massive number of stuff in there, luckily every uh, Lego game basically has a red brick that once you find it, it basically uh, gives you an arrow to every single collectible on the map. And it's monotonous to uh, get them all. But it it actually gets kind of fun because, you know, as you're doing all the collectibles, you you know like just uh in like in the Lego Incredibles, uh you had to stop. I think it was twenty street crimes. So as you're you know you're flying over to get you know the your next gold brick, you look on your main map and you see like a street crimes going down. You go Ooh. down, you break up the, the the street crime, and then you move on to your brick. And you know you knock out things as they go. Well, so, the, I mean if you go ahead,
1: the the hub worlds have gotten a lot better. Instead of just being a, a okay, I'm going to walk and start, you know, this movie or this section of this movie. You know, I mean, we can attest that le- the first Lego Star Wars was you just walked into Mos Eisley and you walked over to a door and, oh, okay, now I'm playing Empire Strikes Back. Okay, here we go. You know, whereas you got into Indiana Jones, you had a small hub world that for each sec each movie and it was all kind of a small one and it, it easily transitioned to the three. And then you get to Marvel superheroes where everything is tied into a nice big section of Manhattan. You know, to where you can fly around there's stuff on top of the buildings, there's stuff in buildings and so on and so forth. So the hub worlds have gotten better of how they inter how they integrate how your missions start.
3: Uh, you know, I mentioned yeah, uh, I, I call that Marvel Superhero, uh, Lego Marvel Superheroes as being kind of monotonous at some points because there's so much to collect. Uh, the game is fun, it gives you a huge version of New York City to play in as your sandbox. And I love the fact that there are so many Marvel characters that you can unlock and choose from, and the fact that you can change characters on the fly once you've unlocked them while you're playing that's amazing but the fact that there are so many characters like it just gets so overwhelming to get them all like that is it, it you know it's kind of like uh they couldn't have that many characters without you having to unlock them so it's kind of like well if you really want them all you got to work for them but you know the game itself like the lego games i really enjoy what they do with the licenses and how much care they put into the games but if you're going to finish those games 100%, God, it's going to take you forever. And at some point, you're going to start hating yourself for playing the game because it's...
1: Oh, I've I took I've taken a break from LEGO games. I mean, I still have... I picked up LEGO City Undercover a while ago, and I haven't gotten to it, and I got LEGO Lord of the Rings. I think I still got LEGO Batman 30. But it, because, like Alex said, you, you play so many of them LEGO games, it, it gets really monotonous. I think I put in... 40, 45 hours on Marvel superheroes. So, it's... You know, if you're in it for the Platinum, you're in it for the long haul. If you're in it just to play it, go play them. Because they're they're fun. Um, when they added in voice acting, it didn't take away from the cutscene jokes. They still put those in there. And... Every iteration, you would think after a while, you would start to be like it would start to get stale. Telltale does a really good job of making each one feel fresh. Not
2: Telltale. Huh? Not Telltale. T- Traveler's Tales.
1: Traveler's Tales. I always get that because it's both T's. I always get that mixed up. Traveler's Tales. I,
2: I, did, I, I did the same thing for a while.
1: It <laughs> does, does an excellent job of, of making each game its own. I mean, yeah, the, the, the concepts are the same. You got your mini kit your gold blicks, your red bricks, blah, blah, blah. But when you play it, it's still enjoyable, it's still fun. It's like playing Legos as a kid. And I I would recommend playing them. But the the question that him and I were having about where to start with with like Star Wars, if if you're not gonna want to wait for the Skywalker saga, I'd go back and play. The very first one's not Granted, It's going to be a little rough. But there's th- that's what made me fall in love with it was Lego Star Wars.
2: And I, if I remember correctly, Lego Star Wars actually was never passed for trophies. No, it so, never was.
1: And even when they came out with the Complete Saga, the Complete Saga, yeah, which it, which had the prequel and the OG Star Wars, they didn't have
2: any
1: Those didn't have trophies either because I was going to go. I was going to get it. So um, that's why I'm kind of excited for the Skywalker saga because now I can have a, a platinum for it. Now um, it'd be really sweet if we had a platinum for each movie, but I don't think that'll happen.
2: We'll just how get, upset would you be? How huh? upset are you gonna be if there's no trophies in the game?
1: What for the whole saga?
2: Yeah, for the Skywalker saga.
1: Well, I'd be. I'd be bummed, to say the least, but I'll still play it.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's also worth noting, you know, conversations with Levi because I talk to him basically like every day, if not every other day. He's not really interested in the trophies aspects. So one thing I do want to say is if you are simply playing it just for the story, it's going to be fairly short. Yeah, I would say you could complete the stories in like five, ten hours.
1: That, that, if you're just playing to planet it and you're not trying to collect everything, that's probably about right.
0: Yeah, and, so, and, and, and if I mean, that's
1: the instance, then definitely go for the the licensings that you enjoy.
2: Yeah. And it's also worth noting, I mean, you uh, brought up the voice acting. It's uh, just to clarify, it's not actually like somebody in a booth recording lines. What they basically do now is take quotes from the movie and integrate it into the, the, the game itself. So you're not having original voice acting. You're having quotes from the line that are in, put into the story that, I mean, it still makes sense. Like, there's still a story being told, but the voice acting is, you know, like Robbie Downey Jr. is doing the voice of Iron Man, but he didn't actually go in the booth for the game. They just took Iron Man from the movie and placed it into the game. Yeah. All right, so, uh, Alex, was there any other questions? No, I believe that was
3: all that we had uh, needed to make up.
2: All right, so let's close out the show with some housekeeping. Let's clean
3: this shit up. Like, Tricky needs to clean up uh, his studio with all the wires and
2: headphones and shit. (laughs) Papers everywhere. Listen, I'm a busy man, okay? Leave me alone. There's some, probably some important tax papers in there that you need to pay attention to. I refiled my taxes. All right. Proof of game.com is of some writers' podcasts, video as a news reports, and generalized help with the site. If you're just applying, go to proofing click on the help watch tab, and fill out the application. I'll get back to you as soon as possible. While you're there, be sure to check out all the articles and all the videos. Speaking of the videos, they can be found on YouTube by doing a search for official proof of gamer. Also you can catch me streaming at twitch TV backslash. Proving Gamer, and also Sundays at between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. on twitch.tv backslash Extra Life, the number four, kids. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, there are several ways to get a hold of us. The first one is the phone number, Yield. 330-Proven-9, Also, you can... S- Sorry, my phone just got a notification. Uh, also, you can send us an email, trophyhorse at provinggamer.com, or... Or you can uh, get into our <laughs> Facebook group, which is facebook.com backslash groups backslash podcast. Please somebody look that up and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, also, if you want to get a hold of us on Twitter, contact the site at Proving Gamer, Contact the show at Trophy Yours. Contact me at Tricky Mick, Contact Yielded. I yield to no one. And that's with a two and a one. Uh, not the, the numbers, not the words. And you can contact Alex at Saundersaurus Rex. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, we greatly appreciate it. Be sure to listen to our other podcast, PG Spoilers, which I'm told is on hiatus right now as, uh, Resident Daryl has lost his co-host and he's currently looking for a new one. So if you're interested in doing PG Spoilers with, uh, Daryl, hit him up. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Resident Daryl and you can find him in the various Facebook groups. Uh, either the Game Stuff group, the Backlot Beatdown group, the Trophy Horse group, uh, the PG Spoilers group, uh, the Ninja Loop group. He's active there, uh, and game stuff. All the podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, which is following me iTunes, Stitcher, your various podcast app- podcast applications on your smart devices, Google Play, Pandora, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us in our PlayStation Four communities, there's one for the site called Proving Gamer. There's one for the podcast called Trophy Hors. The W is spelled with two V's
1: trophy vores
2: and yields group the platinum guild which he is still not giving the shout outs from last year for
1: no i haven't finished it out yet
2: um, I, I, I had the flu leave me alone yeah well by the time you get these out it's gonna be time for the next ones that's right uh or uh, that is the end of our housekeeping but we do have some sponsors alice tell us about humble bundle
3: Humble Bundle is a charity initiative that every month will bundle together certain different types of digital media, whether it be books, whether it be computer games, um, console games. And uh, you can get these games at a discounted price. It's kind of a name-your-own-price thing. But the bundles are tiered, so the more you pay, uh, obviously, the more that goes to charity, since it is a charity initiative, but also the more of the bundle you'll get. So if you decide to pay the top line, of uh, donation, uh, if you decide to pay $20 or whatever it's set at instead of like, you know, $2 for a bunch of games, uh, then you may get, you know, nine of nine games instead of getting four of nine games. So it is a charity initiative. So while you can name your own price for games in the bundle, it is always best to give as much as you can to help out others and, you know, help yourself to a larger selection of games. Uh, if you want to sign up for their electronic, you can, uh, electronic newsletter, you can do that on their website, which is HumbleBundle.com. Also, you can always get to the promotion or the promotion page for our partnership with Humble Bundle if you go to the um, link in every show description for Truck Feverers on PremiumGamer.com.
2: All right, and uh, just an editor's note. Uh, well, actually, a listener's note. Uh, we before we go through the Humble Bundle and tell you what's in every Humble Bundle. But somebody pointed out recently that uh, we go through the bundle, and then by the time the show is released, that bundle is gone. So we're not going to be capturing the bundles anymore. But just know that every day Trophy Wars posts, there is a new bundle for you to go check out. So uh, you know, if you hear you, us talk about something on the bundle this week, just know that by the time you're hearing this, it's already expired and a new bundle has come out. Yul, uh, tell us about Amazon.
1: So, if you go to ProvingGamer.com, on the side of the screen, there's a link to Amazon. So, if you click on it, it takes you right over to Amazon, you do your shopping as you normally would, and the small proceeds of what you just currently bought get kicked back to Proving Gamer to help us keep this new studio
2: up and running. The one with all the wires and the papers all over the place?
1: The one with all the wires and the papers all over the place. See, just because Tricky keeps his part of the studio that way doesn't mean Alex and I do. Just saying.
3: You know, I bet if you see Tricky Studio from another view, it's actually the warehouse at the end of Indiana Jones. <laughs> so they're trying to hide all like the, the specific, like, uh, all the important relics to keep people from getting a hold of them.
2: Alright, and our Patreon, patreon.com backslash proof of Gamer. Uh, there's different tiers up there uh, set up. No matter what tier you decide to support us at, know that it's greatly appreciated. And like you were saying about Amazon, it helps keep the lights on. The best special shout out to our Patreon producers Felicia, Steph, and C.J. Anderson. Also, be aware that if you are Amazon Prime, you are also Twitch Prime. That means you can give us a free 30-day subscription to Twitch. All you have to do is link the two together. Come over to Proven Gamers Twitch page, which is twitchtv gamer. Hit the subscribe for free button, and that's it. That's all you have to do. And then in 30 days, uh, one of the Twitch streamers will remind you that your Amazon Prime, uh, your Twitch Prime support is almost up. And it's time to hit that monthly subscribe button. Other than that, we can close out the show. Yield your shout-out, sir. So I give
1: a shout-out to Alex and Tricky for recording tonight. Give a shout-out to my wife for taking care of me while I had the flu. Shout-out to the odd gentleman for making King's Quest. Uh, And a shout-out to you. All the pimps and with the mountains of the whoredom. Thank you for interacting in the Facebook groups, downloading the show, all that cool stuff.
3: That's it. All right, Alex? I'm good. I want to give a shout out to the listeners, the fuel to the fire of this trophy horse. Thank you all very much for continuing to support the show and pushing us to ever greater heights. Uh, without you all, we would be nowhere. And uh, we just cannot convey how much we create, we. Uh, appreciate your support and you know, your interaction with the community whether it be on the Facebook page, whether you send in questions via email Uh, but thank you all very much for continuing to support the show. Give a shout out to Yield and Tricky for recording tonight, even though Tricky is at work with his, you know number 5 Playstation that he owns also want to give a shout out to CJ for being a, uh One of the generals in the movement to liberate RD trophies. Once again, that's level 45 with a trophy count of 10,191 and a total of 187 platinums. That is, of course, from January 27th, so Daryl might have earned some more platinum trophies since then. You can't see it
2: right now, but I'm giving you the finger.
3: I bet you are. Also want to give a shout out to Crash Team Racing and the Grand Prix and Beanox. I, I, to be honest, have never, I've had a very much hate-hate relationship with Activision, but I will say that Binox, uh while they, you know, the whole, like, introducing my tr- microtransactions later on to the game after saying they wouldn't was very scummy and shitty, uh, I will say that the game itself the content that they have produced and given away for free via the Grand Prix the what will be eight Grand Prix after the final one next this month um, has been very quality uh, it's been a very fun experience and while I don't necessarily like the their online setup it being peer-to-peer instead of dedicated servers, I will say that Crash team racing is an incredibly fun game and I appreciate how they have made it their own game instead of just redoing, Uh, Retracing the steps of Naughty Dog and upgrading it visually They have made it a spectacular game That's even better than the original uh, And they've given it tons of great content And they'll continue to drop content for it in the coming months uh, so, uh, shout out to B Knox and Crash Team Racing for a f- very, very fun, uh, and even better than I can have imagined, seven months playing the game. And, uh, then lastly, I want to give a shout out, well, I also want to give a shout out to Levi again for his continued support of the show, uh, specifically, and his, uh, activism or his, uh, activist within the community on our Facebook page. Uh, last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my loving girlfriend, Ashley. I love you, honey. And, uh, yeah, that will be all my shout outs. Ooh, I got one more. Shout, shout out, out to Homer DLC. I already shout out to Levi. You don't get the shout, shout out to Levi.
1: Shout out to DLC. Levi. No, not to Levi. Shout out to Homer Get Stuffed for his Rocket League goal posts in the Facebook group. That I is so well
2: freaking up. annoying with those. I love you, Homer. Is the, it any
1: less you know, annoying you, than you,
2: all your Twitter
3: posts about what game you've been playing?
1: You, you know why it's so annoying, Alex? I hear you.
3: Because, because Tricky could never do that? Because Tricky could never do any of that.
2: Tricky doesn't try to play Rocket
3: League. Oh, even if Tricky... It's called Skill Tricky, get some.
1: Even if Tricky tried, Tricky, you are... uh, Whatever. You just... You go back to playing a division. You let real people play Rocket League.
2: What are you talking about? I played Rocket League with you. You know my skills. Yeah, exactly.
1: Alex and I had... Well, Alex wasn't there. Yeah, I I had to put the whole team on my back.
2: Well, I will grant you that you are a fantastic goalie in Rocket League. But I was the one scoring the goal. Shots fired. All right. Alex,
1: no no no. I kid you not. Alright. No. Alright.
2: It, it I was sitting
1: there playing I was sitting there playing goalie. You guys score, I'll just sit back here and play goal. And I eventually had to block, then go down the field and score. Oh, you are such a liar. I am not. How many times did the loop boys go, where did Yield come from? Because I come screaming from the other end of the court to make the goal. More than once.
2: We got this all on video. I will release the videos and we will see the truth.
3: Are are we also going to release the videos of you and Frosty playing Mortal Kombat when you lost? Uh,
2: No, I've never played Frosty because he's too much of a pussy ass bitch to play me.
1: Shots fired! Shots fired!
2: Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Sweet Mama D, shout-out to the goddess, shout-out to all the listeners, shout-out to, no, you know, fuck that. A twerp you to Levi for all the shit he's given me lately. Uh Uh-oh, a twerp you. A twerp you. You you know what's funny about that, Yildo?
3: What's
2: that? Levi doesn't know what a twerp you means.
3: That's all right,
2: he'll ask you. I'm sure
3: he will. watch out or Levi's going to come to New York and give you the business end of a newspaper roll. Probably. Now that would be funny.
2: Alright, so if there's nothing else Try not to get high
3: Cause I got high Cause I got high Later Save your last word.